And what we mean with inbound is really not just pushing your product or your service out there to the whole world, but understanding who is your audience, who would be the perfect person to purchase your product or your service, where are they, where do they navigate online, what is their job title, what are they interested in. So inbound is really the way of working that you understand your target audience, that you have created the right content to engage with them because you know who they are. Hello everyone, welcome to our Business and Decision podcast where we talk about data, AI and digital topics, of course. I'm Bjorn Andlofs, Marketing Officer at Business and Decision, and I will be your host for today. Uh, changes from our regular host being Jaip Nair, but I hope you're happy with me too. For our monthly episode, let's discuss about a topic very near to my heart um, and a critical topic for any company, inbound marketing and marketing automation. To explain a little bit more about this, and especially to dig deeper into the subject, I'm delighted to receive Rosie van den Boeken, Senior Customer Success Manager at HubSpot and one of our partners. Stay tuned in this episode if you want to know more about how to improve your marketing. And most of all, don't be afraid, automation is for everyone. Hi Rosie, thank you for joining us today. Hi Bjorn, yeah, great, great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. That's with pleasure. So let's get immediately into it. Um, how would you define marketing automation specifically? Um, so marketing automation would be both a thought process, but also the process itself um, of engaging all of your prospects or your customers in a really smart and efficient way. Um, for example, the way how marketing automation should work is based on triggers, right? Um, so let's say someone comes to your website and they fill out a form because they would like to download an ebook they will then be enrolled in a type of workflow or marketing automation in which they will then get the actual ebook that they wanted to download, but also a follow-up of a few more emails, for example, to try and trigger this person to come back to your website or do another action so that you can engage with that person and then hopefully make them warm enough to move into the sales process or at least warm enough so that the salespeople can reach out uh, to this person. So that's in short, like a little bit about like marketing automation, but you could honestly use it for so many different other things, um, both customer facing or prospect facing, trying to nurture your contacts throughout their journey and, and do something more with your tool or with the service or a solution that you offer. But you could also do marketing automation on an admin level, for example. If you say someone has done X, Y, Z on your website, we want to give them a specific lifecycle stage or a lead score so that we can trigger another thing internally so that they move to sales. So you can do both an admin type to update properties or contact records in your CRM, or you can have a customer facing automation. Yeah, sounds good. I think maybe uh, might be that some of these things sound, sound a bit scary. I don't know if that's the good word to some people yeah. huh? uh, of what I hear. How, how would you, let's say, calm them down and make, make them say, okay, don't worry, this is not a very complicated IT process. You can just do this yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, and it's so true. When you look into the marketing automation uh, idea, you think, oh gosh, where do I start? Um, I always recommend people or customers to start very simple. Start with an easy flow with just a few more steps. Uh, have one or two enrollment triggers, send one or two emails and stop the flow there. 
and then see how it works. Did you actually perform? Um, did customers engage or enroll in your automation flow? Did they actually open your emails? Did they do the actions? So start very basic and look into the look into the the results of this flow and see whether they did anything, if something worked, if you achieved your goal, or maybe you have to rewrite your email or change a few things here and there. Um, so start very small first, see how that works, and then start building on on it. Okay, sounds sounds nice. I think it's important, uh, definitely, for people to start small and not exactly. Might be good to have some some best practices and use cases to start mm-hmm. with uh, before really rolling this out as a as a definitive exactly. strategy. Um, and talking about strategy, how would you define a good marketing strategy? On our side at uh, at Business and Decision, I think this goes for for most companies uh, nowadays. We're looking at inbound marketing uh, more than outbound. Could you maybe give your point of view? Yeah. Um, I think in the last decade, for sure, a lot of companies have moved away from the outbound strategy or only have an outbound strategy, but also moved into the inbound strategy. And what we mean with inbound is really not just pushing your product or your service out there to the whole world, but understanding who is your audience, who would be the perfect person to purchase your product or your service, where are they, where do they navigate online, what is their job title? What are they interested in? So really, first of all, understanding your audience, your perfect buyer persona, and then start changing your marketing strategies towards that buyer persona. So inbound is really the way of working that you understand your target audience, that you have created the right content to engage with them because you know who they are. You will add in some keywords or you set up a whole strategy to really engage with them. And then only that specific part of the world, let's say, will be your audience or will be getting your promotional content or they will be reading your blogs rather than everybody. So inbound is really a change of mentality and really only focusing on that specific part of the audience rather than everybody. Okay, I can I can definitely see some challenges with that, of course, uh, especially if you're if you're not used to to this kind of strategy. Um, how would you? Well, can you name maybe some of the challenges and and how you you find a solution to these? I'm thinking, for example, mm-hmm. buyer personas. I think that's a big one for a lot of people uh, because uh, pushing out your message, like you say, an outbound strategy is very very easy to do. But uh, mm-hmm. for inbound, you first need those specific buyer personas. Who are you going to target or who is important to you? Do you see other challenges yeah. and maybe highlight some of the solutions? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the challenge, as you say, is understanding your buyer persona or your audience. So whether you're a small company or a big company, you will probably need to put some time in research. So maybe interviewing a few people or interviewing a few customers who have bought your product or your service and understanding what did they like about your approach? Did they read some of your content? Did they engage with you? Or did they just go on a website through Google and and purchase immediately? So I think doing a little bit of research first is very important to understand the audience. Um, So that will take some time. Another challenge could be time management. So a lot of the smaller companies may not have sufficient people in their team to actually investigate or write content or 
review what is working well, what isn't working well. So then sometimes you need to work with third parties, um, content writers, freelancers to help you there. So if you have a smaller team, you may need to look into resources outside of your company to help you to get there. Um, if you have a bigger team, that's great because you do have the people in-house, but maybe you also have a lot more opinions to work with. So you really will need to have a strong leadership who understands what they want to do to have set the goals and strategies and then to translate those back to the individual people so that they all know what content they have to write, what they have to set up and then liaise together. So that internal alignment is really important. Okay. Now, I think I think we're missing then just one final step that we haven't discussed yet. The analytics or the reporting to management because of course they they would want to know uh, the results of these efforts do you have any tips maybe for that good point Um, it's very important to have those metrics in place even before you start doing anything right Um, otherwise you're just creating stuff but you don't know whether or not you're doing a good job or whether getting one lead a week is fine or if you actually need 50 leads a week So um, understanding those goals and smart goals, for example, is really important. So I would always recommend to, first of all, set up smart goals uh, so that you can measure them, you understand what it means to the business, um, what the impact will be, and then you can start building the plan and figure out, okay, if we indeed generate 50 leads a week, what does this mean for our sales team? Do they engage with all 50 leads? Do they then convert them into opportunities and deals? Do they actually get customers out of them and how much? So indeed, what you're saying is data is very, very important. So you have to set up goals and metrics, understanding whether they're achievable or not, and constantly measure against those. So don't wait until the end of the year to look into your data or your performance. It's really important that you take time in between the year, maybe weekly, bi-weekly or monthly, um, to review how you're performing towards those goals. So, sounds very good. Um, I'm, I'm also, I'm just thinking out loud here, but... Uh... Of course, those smart goals, I think that's a very good definition to start things off. As I think it's a nice KPI also to set. However, I see sometimes people um, going overboard, let's say. Uh, they, they think they can maybe have, like you said before, a small company sometimes sets a goal of 100, 150 leads, which might be, which might be a bit too exaggerated. Of course, maybe people like you and I, Rosie, um, we know this is exaggerated because we're in the field. But some managers have no idea how to start on this or, or what is really a reasonable number. Um, how, would you, how would you try to steer them or, or what can, can the marketer person say in, in his defense, like saying, I'm sorry, dear manager, but 150 is too much. We won't be able to achieve this. Yeah, no, that's a great question. What I would recommend in this case is actually work backwards. So look into the number of customers you need as a company in order to meet your target. So let's say if you have $100,000 that you need to bring in in the year, and on average, every deal is 10,000, then you know that you need to get 10 deals in the year to get your target of 100,000. So working from that point, then, so we have 10 deals of 10,000 euros or dollars. How many, what's what's the conversion rate of opportunity to customer? If that's 50%, then we know that one out of two opportunities becomes a customer. So we need 20 of those. So we need 20 deals from which 10 will become a customer in order to get your company goal. Then we're going to look into the conversion rate from 
contacts becoming opportunity. Again, if that's 50%, then you know that you need for every one opportunity, again, two leads, then like you have to work backwards. So I think that's really important to understand what's the company goal, the revenue goal that we need to bring in and then work backwards towards how many deals do we need? How many customers do we need? How many opportunities? How many leads do we have, have to be going through the sales funnel, etc. So that will then really help you to have a strong number that is built on realistic data. Okay, I think that's a I think that's a very good tip. So working backwards with the, hopefully, of course, everybody has those those kind of data. Yeah. So that will be an mm-hmm. important uh, an important factor playing here. Yeah. But, uh, that's actually a good point that you make there, Bjorn. I think um, I, I do sometimes work with customers who are only really at the start phase, who maybe do not have all the data in place yet. What we really say there is let's just play for the first three months with your strategy of what you think is going to work well. Let's set those goals or your own expectations of what you hope to achieve within the next three months and then revisit. And then so after the three months, we look back at the initial goals and the expectations and see were they actually realistic or what took more time than we thought or what didn't take as much time so we can constantly readjust. And this is really a process that will take the first 12 months. So every three months, we're going to revisit those goals. And then you have a full year of working towards that one target and understand, okay, what do we actually get this first year? How much time do we put into marketing strategies? How much time do we put into content creation? How much time did we work with the sales team to really review those leads, etc.? And then you've got the first year of data to then build year two on. Well, you actually took uh, took the words right out of my mouth there because I heard sales team and I think that's also a very important factor. <laughs> um, I think that's also one of the main challenges, even not even in just in inbound or in marketing automation, but in general, I think marketing and sales alignment are very important Um could you tell us on your side maybe how important this really is i think it's important to stress this oh gosh yes 100 percent. sales and marketing alignment is crucial in any company doesn't matter whether you're small or large whether you're b2b or b2c it's super super important to have a good relationship between the two teams and it's a challenge for everyone in my company, I'm sure in your company, and in everyone's company, because the sales team is constantly evolving, changing. They're focusing very hard on generating revenue and their own deals. And it's a very competitive team, right? So they know that there is a risk that if they do not perform, individual contributors are potentially at risk of losing their job. Where the marketing team really wants to support the sales team there in order to create brand awareness, create the content that's needed to bring in those leads so that the sales team has enough leads to work from, really in the inbound strategy, of course. Um, if we look into the outbound strategy, then sales, of course, has a balance as well of doing some cold call or research themselves um, apart from what the marketing team is bringing in. Um, I actually also do believe there is a good balance between inbound and outbound. So I don't necessarily think it should be either or. I think a combination of both actually is very healthy. Um, So that aside, but back to sales and marketing alignment. So if we look into how to set up a strong sales and marketing alignment, it starts really with having that initial conversation. So understanding what are the goals of the marketing team? What are the goals of the sales team? The goals are the way how they're measured or how they measure their own success will be different. 
marketing will be measured on how many clicks do they have on the website? Did they have, did they increase the traffic on the website? Are X amount of their emails opened, clicked on, engaged? Did they convert into contacts? Um, has their automation flow been engaged with, etc.? So marketing targets are a little bit different. Those targets are really in regards to performance, productivity. How many calls and emails did they send out? Did they have enough discovery calls or demo calls with a prospect? Do they reach their, their revenue target? So sales and marketing are very different in regards to their goals, but the overall goal is to bring in new revenue to the company. So their overall goal will be the same because we want to create brand awareness. We want to grow the company as a whole. We want to make sure that we generate revenue. So in the end, the big, larger overall goal is the same. It's just the individual team's targets are a little bit different. But understanding that is the first step. And then the second step is having those meetings because alignment isn't just about setting the goals and making sure we both understand what we do, but also having that open communication. If marketing sends 30 leads a week to the sales team, but all those 30 leads aren't relevant at all, then why? So having that feedback loop is super important. Does sales tell the marketing team why they weren't relevant? Maybe they were the wrong fit, the wrong person. Maybe they were not at all interested in purchasing. They were just students looking up information for their final essay, for example. So having that feedback loop is super, super important. And then also sales can let marketing know, you know, we actually would like to have more leads that are having a job title of marketing manager, for example, are doing this or are in a company that are based in the Netherlands. We don't really care about Belgium for now. Let's focus on the Netherlands, really. So having those meetings to have that open communication is super important, whether that is with the whole team together, if you're a small company, that's probably feasible, but otherwise just with leadership. So having those weekly or bi-weekly meetings to really pass on that feedback verbally, but also if you can locked in the CRM so that we can report on this. Um, it's really important that we can understand from 30 leads, 10 were not a good fit because of this reason. And if we can report on that, we have actual measurable things to change strategies moving forward. Okay. Uh, uh, we've talked a lot about leads, but you also, of course, you also have your existing customers, which you want to remain in contact with. So sales, of course, a big part of their job is also the this customer centricity, yeah, talking to these guys regularly, you know, just, hey, what's up? Uh, is everything still going okay? Those kind of things. Um, I, I think that also kind of fits the, the inbound marketing methodology because we don't need to only do new business. We can also upsell, which is new business with existing clients. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's also very important to note that, that these kind of things can be done with marketing automation. And that also yeah. that also is a big part of the, the alignment with sales. Um, I know usually okay. the content is different that you're going to send or, or, you know, put into contact with leads and for clients. Could you elaborate maybe? Yeah, 100%. Um, this question, Bjorn, I'm delighted that you mentioned this because customer centricity is crucial and i think especially in the last 18 months 
with the whole COVID pandemic, we've seen how important existing relationships are. There are so many companies who struggled, but if you had a good customer relationship, if you had that trust built up between company and your users, they were likely to stay with you because of they knew that you were someone that they could trust. So that personalized content is very important. That strong relationship with your customer is important. So I've seen even a switch between my customers that I work with that they are focusing much, much more on customer engagement, customer retention. So those are two really key topics that we've been working on a lot. Um, why is this important? Because one, if your customers stay, that is a, that's a secure incoming revenue, right? So you know that they will, again, next year stay with you. It's a safe revenue for the business, but also if they're happy, they're likely to use more. Maybe if your customer is doing well, they'll add more people to the team who also need to use your services or your products more, but also they may be interested in growing with you because they see you as a trusted advisor or a trusted partner. So they want to do more with you because they see the value of your tooling or your product or your service. Yeah, I think definitely is very important. And, and we, we kind of tackling another subject here, um, which I think might be nice, is, as you said, the, the recent pandemic has also changed things um, on the whole sales and marketing landscape. Um, do you have some examples of that? Of course, we know most people have been doing webinars. Huh? Of course, that's mm -hmm. the, the easy replacement of, of events. But uh, I see now more and more of course, depending on the, on the country you're in, huh? depending on our listeners here. But uh, in Belgium, at least, um, it's, it's kind of quieting down now. So we're able to do physical events again. And I see people are really appreciating that. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any notes on that? How, how has it changed uh, according to you? Yeah, um, a lot of different ways. One of the things I think is really important is because we've been working all from home for the last 18 months, I think a lot of companies have seen that it is possible, you know, we can actually give the flexibility to our employees and allow them a little more time to work from home or allow them more flexibility because we trust that they still do the work, they still perform. I think that's a very important thing. Um, I'm based in Ireland and I see that even the Irish government has said that companies that can do remote work should allow their employees to choose whether they want to be office flex or remote so i think this is a very important shift even from a um from a country perspective right so that will give more flexibility to the employees to do their work from wherever they can that's one thing um another thing that i see and you've mentioned before is the webinars we've done so many webinars in the last 18 months. I think Zoom fatigue is one of those things that just yeah, came up and, and we're kind of tired with it, right? <laughs> um, but people are very excited again about those in-person events, but also I see that a lot of uh, companies have taken a very unique step of engaging with their prospects or their customers online, whether it's by really, really cool, unique events online, creating like a whole new space to engage with people but also they have been able to reach out to, to people, not just in your local region, because let's say you guys are based in Belgium, you do an event in Belgium, maybe people from America wouldn't be able to attend because they may still be hesitant of flying or even just before COVID, they didn't have the budgets to fly to Belgium. But now because of this online space, we actually have maybe the possibility to 
yes, we create an in-person event, but maybe we can still log in online as well. We can stream it online so people remotely can still attend your events. So I think that's a really interesting switch that we're opening up our eyes for more possibilities to engage with people on a global level rather than just locally. Yeah, so that's what we're seeing indeed. I think more of these hybrid events, like they call it, uh, so partially live, partially not. Uh, I think it's it's indeed interesting to for new target markets and, and those kind of things. And I think it also opened up some, some doors and that a lot of companies now learned new things, uh, making podcasts, making videos, making maybe more white papers, like which they didn't used to do before. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Maybe going back to your point earlier where you asked about how does marketing automation fit in this new today? Um, I think there it's very important. Like one, we are able to engage with people on a global level. Maybe global is too big for your company, but even on an EMEA-based level, for example, with marketing automation, you can actually also specify or segment your database based on where are they located, what language do they speak, etc., and then actually localize the content for them. So you can say anyone who is a marketing manager will be enrolled in our marketing automation flow, but based on whether they're based in France or in the Nordics or in Eastern Europe, we'll send them different type of content because we know that product A will actually work better for them in that region or we just are able to talk to them in their local language, in a local time zone. So you can really start making it very, very specific towards your wider audience today. I think that's good. I don't, I don't have any more, uh, more questions. So thank you for joining uh, today, Rosie. Uh, I think we had an interesting talk. I hope our, our listeners feel the same way. Uh, maybe as a closing note, do you have any key takeaways from uh, this podcast or something else you would like to mention? Yes. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure being here today and speaking with you all. Um, A few key takeaways from my side are, first of all, sales and marketing alignment. Make sure that you have that open communication internally, start sitting together with the different teams um, and ensure that you understand what both sales and marketing are doing and what your goals are so that you can align and have a better collaboration together. That's one. From a marketing automation perspective, it's totally fine if you start simple. Just create a very simple marketing automation flow and have a look at the data and see whether or not the prospects are engaging with your content, if they're actually doing the actions that you would like them to do. So that's very important. And of course, with that comes key metrics. Set up those smart goals, set up the key metrics, but don't just let them be there. Go back every month, every week, and have a look at how you're performing towards those targets and readjust if needed. It's totally fine to revisit them six months in the year if you think actually the goals that we set are not achievable or if you think the goals that we set are very easily achievable and let's actually increase them because we could do better this year. So I think that's very important. Okay, thanks for these uh, extra notes. Super. Thank you so much, Bjorn, for having me and have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to our latest episode of the Business and Decision podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and that we answered all your questions on marketing. If you have any other comments, feedback, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. It can be personally or our company page. If you want to listen to more of these kind of episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or any other platform where you usually score your 
Audio File Podcast.